Good morning. Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I'm people that listen know that I get overly excited. Well, now I'm really in third gear because my <laughs> guest today's cookbook is nothing short of remarkable. That's all I want to say. Uh, our guest today is Kitty Morse. Hello, Kitty. Hi, Denise. It's been a long time. Nice to see you. <laughs> Kitty and I, now this is something that even that we have all kinds of people, uh, Kitty, that listen to us. We have men, we have women in their 40s, I, we have people our age, but Kitty and I haven't seen each other. We don't think for about 20 years, but we I know that sounds really old. Kitty and I were both members of the Southern California Culinary Guild. I think that, that's right. That's right. It, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was a fabulous organization many, many years yeah. ago. And it was food writers and recipe testers and food stylists. So, Kitty, that's how I've always felt that I've known you. Do you know what I that's mean? That's true. That's true. Yeah. And IACP, the, 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 the first oh, cool. incarnation, yeah. That's yeah. International Association of Culinary Professionals. That's mouthful. right. Yeah, okay. It was, and that was, it was, a, again, a wonderful yeah. group that we were members of. Yeah. Well, here's what I, I called Kitty because, Kitty, when you, the book we're focusing on today, and I'm going to make Kitty tell us about herself in a minute, but her book is called Bittersweet a wartime journal and heirloom recipes from occupied France. Now, Kitty, and not only that, um, I think this is self-published. This book is self-published, isn't it, Kitty? Yes, 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 yes. But Kitty has got 10 other cookbooks. So Kitty is a seasoned professional and knows a lot about publishing and production. And I'm just, I'm so impressed, Kit Kitty, because this is really a treasure trove of, memories and love and so mm -hmm. uh, the first few pages of your book I want you to tell us how you uh, I mean I'm reading the first few pages yesterday and I'm thinking to myself oh my god but please I want you to tell our listeners how this idea came about and what happened how you got this idea oh well yes it well it was it was supposed to be my COVID project Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as everybody else had a COVID project, uh, because as you know, my my former cookbooks and I had cookbooks with um, um, traditional publishers like Chronicle and Ten Speed. I, my specialty is really Moroccan food. I have five yes. cookbooks on Moroccan cooking. So that's how we met. But this one literally fell into my lap after my mother passed away, which was about five years ago. And um, I was cleaning out her closet and I found a little black suitcase, which I call La Petite Valise, the small suitcase. And I sort of knew of the existence in my mother's closet so and hidden. And I didn't know that about the contents. I knew the suitcase existed because my mother was quite protective about it, but I didn't know where she kept it. I never really paid that much attention and I figured, okay. Um, so I brought the suitcase home to my home in Vista, California. And there I put it on my closet uh, shelf and I let it sit for three years because I thought, okay, you know, there's family documents and one day I'll need to look at family. And the first week, actually one or two weeks before COVID started, um, I was 
perusing the internet and I fell on C-SPAN, which I never watched, but that day, it was the 25th of January, I believe, C-SPAN. I opened C-SPAN and I learned that it's a um, the 70th, I think the 70th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And I thought, uh -huh. well, well, that's really, you know, that's interesting. I, do, I know nothing about it. Uh, and in my, in my family lore, I sort of knew that this tragedy happened, but I really never followed it. I was growing up in Casablanca, leading my life. I was not in France. The, the whole book is about my um, Alsace-Lorraine uh, in northeast France, my mother's ancestors. I mean, I knew they existed, but nothing much. Anyway, this gentleman, uh, Marian Tursky, a Holocaust survivor and a speaker internationally known, was speaking in front of the of the crematoria of the ovens at Auschwitz, oh where I've never been, and believe me, I have no intention to visit because it's yeah. too much for me at this point. And I was mesmerized. Then he ended his speech by saying, we should invent, and I'm quoting loosely, we should have an 11th commandment. And the commandment should be, we cannot remain indifferent. And again, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but it really, really hit me. You know, we were confined, we're in COVID. I had a vague idea of something in the suitcase, but I wasn't sure. And so I decided, well, you know, let's open this. Today's and, the day. <laughs> well, it, it really gave me the impetus. You know, I, I had sort of, yeah, I didn't know what was inside, honestly. And what fell into my lap, was uh, my great French great-grandfather, because I also have a North African great-grandfather. another story in another book. <laughs> this, this, the Minty and Minarets is about my, uh, you know, my Moroccan, Algerian family, but this is totally yes. French. And I did not know about my ancestors. And I find my great-grandfather's, uh, his name was uh, Prosper Lévy-Némarc, who was a, military surgeon, twice decorated of the Légion d'Honneur, and a really pillar of his community. And his journal documented the advance of the Germans between April and December 1940. So I have this document and I read it and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this particular journal? Yes. And alongside, were two little booklets of my great-grandmother, his wife's recipes. I mean, I was completely floored, completely floored. And as you know, when you've written 10 cookbooks, what do you do with more material? You have to write another one. And it was not in my life's plan. And here I am, and I tell my husband, who's ready at this time, why are you doing another book? Are you crazy? It's so much work. Yeah, but I mean, uh, after... And after my husband read Prosper's journal in French, he says, you have to put this in the book. You have to put the journal in the book in, and the recipes, and we will test the recipes and photograph the recipes. So the book is really three books in one. Yeah. But to begin this, I had to translate everything into English, which I did. French is my first language. So I translate the journal and we, and we edit and it takes three months. And then I 
look at the recipes and I'm talking to my great grandmother and I am named after her. I just didn't know how close my mother was to her grandmother. Yeah, my, my third name is Blanche and her name was Blanche Lévy-Lemarque. Um, and I go through the recipes. Like, oh my God, I have to test these recipes. I have to test these recipes. Yes. And my great grandmother was a great baker. And so in the testing of the recipes, which I picked, and I mean, it's through, you know, menu from um, appetizers to soups to salads and uh, main dishes and some traditional Alsatian things and some family dishes because I grew up with some of them. I just didn't know where they came from. I didn't know. No idea. They are. So it's really the, the food of Northeast France and family recipes. And I'm talking to my great grandmother. I say, Blanche, you have 14 chocolate cakes in there. There is no way, no way Kitty Morris is going to bake 14 chocolate cakes. <laughs> so, so I picked two or three chocolate confections. And then, of course, Alsace is the heart of uh, sauerkraut. You know, it's the uh sauerkraut says choucroute central uh kugelhof is a very traditional brioche and the flamkuk actually you can buy frozen at trader joe's it's not bad but i give you the rest it's a um no it's a flatbread with caramelized onions and creme fraiche though i have got yeah you mean you're correct yeah but you can make your own it's very very nice and um one of the really interesting recipes, so of course, as I'm researching the book and reading my great-grandfather's journal, the weight, the weight of this becomes heavier and heavier because I began to feel totally compelled. I have to tell the story of these people. They lived, they had a life, they entertained, they had children, they had a big family which I will tell you later, I went to look for. I just came back from Alsace Lorraine. And I, I I mean, it was a compulsion. I, I was yeah. not planning French cooking. I I know how to do it, but really Morocco is, you know, what I learned. And all of a sudden here I am in the middle of a cookbook and I feel compelled to tell this story as I explain the, the, the reason for it. Uh, after you read a personal journal and then you do a lot, a lot. It took a year of historical research because the journal is World War II. But yes. my great-grandfather um, practiced medicine during World War One during the war. My God, Kitty. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I had to do World War One and then World War Two, and then uh, some a little bit of the Holocaust because that's how it ends. But everything was new to me. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, you know, and of course it became so personal that uh, I was totally. I can't even tell you how the three years were spent. I was exhausted mentally, I, physically, everything. <laughs> I was just gonna yeah. say, you must have been so exhausted. I mean so exhausted here's one of the things just from glancing through the book that i want people to appreciate one your husband took all the photographs for you he did which is just and the two of you work together if people that are listening we have a lot of cookbook authors that listen to us they know how much work any book is yeah. i mean i don't yeah. care if 50 recipes on rice it's right. a lot of work right. but when you look at what you did with the history of your family and not even knowing this beforehand. That's the part that's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. And then 
having to, as you, Kitty, I should have said that before. Kitty said, Kitty is known as a Moroccan food expert. Her books have all been based in that pretty much, Kitty. I mean, I, I, and didn't you, you used to run tours to Morocco, I didn't did. you, for many, many years? 23 food oh tours. <laughs> wow. so, but for you to, I just, which speaks volumes to your personality. So to all of a sudden turn around, open this valise, get head deep into it and think, now I have to do this. I mean, I'm, it's overwhelming just hearing uh, you talk about <laughs> that you actually did it. It's, it's overwhelming. It was, it was, it became huge. And of course, what I haven't mentioned before is that my husband It's okay. My husband helped me, of course, and he, he edited and did research and took the pictures. And he passed away in January 6th of this year. Four oh. days four days before the book came out. Oh, Kitty, I didn't know that. I'm so... Oh, I, I should have... Uh, I didn't think of telling you. It's just... Uh, anyway, my, let me say it again. That yes. my, my husband, who edited and helped me write and helped me the research and tested and did the dishes and was 50% involved, passed away January 6, 2023, four days before I got the first hard copy of the book. So... Uh, I can tell you that the past six months have been uh, crushing uh, because at the same time, of course, I was planning on going to Alsace-Lorraine last year. And my husband said, you have to go, you have to go, you have to follow in uh, Prosper's footsteps. You know, the war journal, uh, I went to the Verdun battlefields, I saw the hospitals where he practiced. I mean, I saw everything he mentions in the book. I saw in May 2023 when I went to Alsace-Lorraine and it was really at the urging uh, of my husband. So that became also for me a mission, which I yeah. accomplished, I have to tell you. I saw yeah. everything that the, 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 the great-grandparents' traces are all over Chalon-en-Champagne, which is where my mother was born. It's about two hours south of Strasbourg. And I saw the homes where they lived, the hospitals where he practiced, the cemetery where his parents are buried. And I spent a day at the Verdun battlefield, um, which was the worst, the most horrible battle of World War I was the Battle of Verdun, where there were 350,000 uh, casualties, half on each side. It was ghastly, and I had never visited such a battlefield, but it, it hit home of course yes and then, and then in the journal my great-grandfather it, it's a daily journal and one day <clears throat> he had to flee Chalon-sur-Marne because it was being bombed by the Nazis and so he and his wife moved to Nancy Nancy I know a lot of people have been to Nancy Nancy and Colmar very famous French towns and they used to have their daughter used to have a holiday home in a tiny village called Rosière or Salines, which is outside Nancy, about 18 kilometers. Um, and I had made contact with Rosière simply because I needed historical information, you know, where they were, where they lived. Well, I yes. got to Rosière and the mayor was waiting for me with flowers. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that, we, but we got, I have to, but I have to tell you the end. So it was wonderful. I got the tour of Rosière and 
lovely, lovely little town, which is apparently known for its stables and its um, horse sculpture. Um, horse people, horsemen and women from all over the world go to Rosière to train horses and for the, you know, for races and things. But Rosière Rosaline is also where my great aunt and uncle lived. And we found their house. Wow. And I saw the house. And it's also the town where my great grand, uh, my great Prosper and Blanche had to flee um, to seek refuge with neighbors of their daughter and son-in-law because Nancy was being bombed. And so they went to Rosier Rosaline and they hid in a tunnel that belonged to two sisters called the Granderie sisters. Well, I found the house. The mayor told me to took me to that house. And the owner of the house happened to come at that very moment that we were standing in front and he opened the gates and he showed me the tunnel where oh Prosper my. hid. Um, so I have a picture sitting in front of the tunnel where he came out to take a puff of cigarette, uh, a puff of a cigarette and to eat what the Granderie ladies had prepared for him, a rabbit stew, a, a civet de lapin. So in my book, yes. I have the recipe for the rabbit stew with Riesling wines, very traditional. And I sat in front of the tunnel where Prosper sat while he was eating his rabbit stew. So I can tell you that the vibes and whatever came from the... I don't know where <laughs> the, the sky or whatever. I really felt them. I mean, I could not believe I was sitting in that spot. I'm looking at the recipe right now for the rabbit stew with Riesling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It looks, the photograph is beautiful. The recipe looks delicious. And, you know, honestly, Kitty, the journey that you've been on and, the, but what a gift that your husband helped you all that time, right up till the end. I mean, Absolutely. I know it does not, I know how painful, I, I can't even imagine your pain, but also you must, it's, it's even, it's even more amazing to me to have the book in my hand and to, I have nothing but admiration for you. I'll tell you that it's a beautiful book and your family, my God, your family, family they must be looking down and just thinking look at her go mm, because i'm the last one standing i gotcha and uh when i went to so anyway i went to chalon sur marne last may to follow in the footsteps and i had made contact with a historian from chalon which is actually it was wonderful he took me all around chalon sur marne showed me chalon sur marne where my great grandparents lived, and he organized a talk for me at the city library, and a hundred people came. So How I gave my, I was wonderful. I gave my talk in French and in the publicity because they called in the radio and the TV and the newspapers, and they were so excited. I mean, I think I'm probably the one and only that ever come back to Chalon with documents to talk about Chalon, Chalonnais who lived there. They were really, really receptive. And, um, so I gave, I gave my talk and what's really great for me, because in the book, in bittersweet, it's two words, bittersweet, um, I 
translate Prosper Journal, but in France, this gentleman, Bruno Malte, and it's a publishing company in Chalon, has published my grandfather's journal in French. He's selling a little booklet. So my great-grandfather's journal is now available in French, in France, from Chalon. So I'm thrilled because I... I am not. I would love to find a translator for this book, but I'm not doing it myself. It's too much work. I, I, you know, I. I'm not you, doing it. So it will be great. But this is a beginning. So, uh, yeah, great. Eddie, you have made your ancestors proud. That's all I can say. I have. I have. I, um, it's overwhelming. I'll tell you. On a per first of all, it's as I already said, writing any book is a lot. Mm. People make, you know, people always say, oh, I have an idea for a cookbook. And I try not, I, I don't say anything most of the time because I'm looking down. It Poor might thing. <laughs> yeah, no, stay away. <laughs> or, or when we've worked with clients, and this is the truth, we worked with a woman and who was everything was wrong I, that's all i can say kitty she didn't know enough about the food she huh. didn't know it was her ancestors food but she hadn't cooked enough herself and blah 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 we did the styling the book turned out beautiful thank and we turned her on to a good editor it was also self-published it was a beautiful book but inside when i was eating my lunch and she said yes well this is the money I inherited from my mother, so I'm going to spend this two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on this cookbook. I oh, wow. need, you, need you to know I couldn't even make eye contact with her. I mean, yeah. I just kept yeah. my head down yeah. and yeah. thought, I thought, oh my God, you should have invested that money in something instead. But we all make choices. We it's do. A, it's it, this is this is so much more. I feel like I've just been able to look at your family tree with ancestry.com or you know seriously now when you tested the recipes because you've cooked for years and you right. know how to cook what did you what did you find out were you able to i mean what did you love it was it a pain was it delicious when you were finished did you have to change them much Mm, very interesting question. Yes and no, because as I said, there's 120 recipes in the book yeah. and they're all French. And I grew up, my mother cooked French food. My grandmother, the daughter of Blanche and Prosper lived in Casablanca. So she survived the war because she was in Morocco. But anyway, my, gra my grandmother, French grandmother used to cook some of the dishes. And f to me, they were, you know, family dishes, French cooking yes. I mean uh so some of them resonated and I knew really like a, a clafoutis or um you know some salad a salad du nouvel an new year's eve I mean it's a classic French uh, yes. then the, the others I tested and uh, of course Blanche being a cook of the late 1890s and the early 1900s uh, you didn't write recipes the way yeah. we write recipes and the French don't care about <laughs> Uh, you know, they're changing their ways now. But I mean, you know, the recipes are a tipper of this and a little bit of this. And sometimes it's an eggshell and sometimes it's a it's a little pot of yogurt of yogurt. And but my grandmother was she's pretty good. It was all in grams. And I decided yeah. to because it's an English book. So my recipes are all in ounces and pounds. Uh, yeah. I didn't do the uh, you know, people can do their own conversions. So I had to do that. And yes. 
uh, they tasted real. They tasted fine. It's really family classic French recipes, and it was not much to tweak except the quantities. What was interesting to me was at that time, and remember, this is pre World War One, World War One, and a little bit yeah. after World War One. Uh, they used a, a lot of almond flour so that some of the pastries are really gluten-free and something I did not use before. So I, I'm now using much more almond flour. Well, and it's, it's like in the carrot cake and the kaluga. I mean, it's, it's really a great ingredient. And of course, you know, she used butter, she used uh, sugar, but uh, when I, when it came to yeast, I had to go to a French bakery to get the right yeast, the baker's yeast, because I didn't want the yeast from the grocery store. And, yes. and it's very easy to obtain. You know, you go to a French bakery, say, I want a few grams of this or an ounce. So that wasn't a problem. Um, that was really the only thing. Um, and the funny thing also is that choucroute alsacienne, uh, sauerkraut, is the dish of Alsace. And I decided... I had and I I make it really, but I buy my ingredients here. And they're not necessarily Alsatian or French there, but I find everything I need, you know, German sausages yes. in Southern California. But I decided, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna buy uh, the real ingredients from an importer. Okay. And do you know how much that blasted sauerkraut cost me? <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah. Choucroute for $500 I had. So that dish, if you come across it, appreciate it. <laughs> but I, I wanted, I wanted this sausage, I wanted Alsatian sausage, Alsatian ham, yeah. Alsatian, you know, the fat, the duck fat. And, yes. and so, um, and it's, and I make it just as well without Alsatian ingredients, I have to tell you. And I went, when I was in Alsace, I thought I'm going to sample, you know, the real thing in Alsace, in Strasbourg. Well, mine tastes better. So there. Oh, good. <laughs> well, there has to be some, some reward after all that. Yeah. So Matt, that those were a few, um, you know, you don't need to go buy special ingredients. I have a, a soup, a mushroom in there. And in the Vosges area or around Chalon and Nancy, you can go and forage for your fresh, wild, um, you know, exotic mushrooms. Yeah. But you buy them dry here and you rehydrate and I use that in my mushroom soup. It's very nice. Perfect. My husband, when we have friends over, I, I still love to cook. Um, when, after I retired a couple of years ago, um, I realized Kitty, you know, I was always cooking. I mean, I got paid to cook and I got paid mm -hmm. to write these and I got paid to style people's food. But I really, I, I wasn't cooking that much for us. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. I 50 hours a week. So I was. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know the feeling. Greasy ah, so burgers, please. Thank you. <laughs> we were eating out. Well, now that I'm home, yeah. I cook dinner almost every night. And, uh, but my favorite is we had friends for dinner. My husband said, will you make bouillabaisse? I said, of course. So I went to the fish market and I got authentic, is mo the mm -hmm. most authentic fish mm -hmm. I could. I did everything. You know, in Italians call it chipino, but, you know, in mm -hmm. French, it's bouillabaisse. Yeah. We didn't, right. we called it chipino in San Francisco. Growing up, we'd walk to Fisherman's Wharf and, you know, so it's a, yeah. to me, yeah. a family dish. Well, by the time I was finished, buying the fish there were 10 people though so it was a and I bought gorgeous white Bordeaux and I bought different things and blah 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 by the time 
was finished. The next day, my husband said, that was the most gorgeous dinner party you've ever given. And let's do that again in a month. I said, you know, for what I spent taking everyone to Spago, and I wouldn't have had a, a filthy kitchen the next morning with fish guts on my And he laughed, but there are times that, you know, to get it right, it's not, it's, it's, it's not always cost effective. Right, right. But you know, it was, it was, it was great fun and discovering that I had done the right thing, followed the recipe and I mean, sauerkraut, you know, it's, it's, my husband was from Wisconsin. And so we lived in Wisconsin for a long time and sauerkraut you also have in Milwaukee. So I knew the Milwaukee version of sauerkraut, but that, so that was the, 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 you know, the biggest challenge. And the other one, because I have to tell you, one of the recipes is croque-en-bouche. You know, the, the oh, tower, of course. the tower of cream puffs. Yes. Two weeks. It took two weeks to make, fill, style, and photograph that. Oh, yeah. I, and your bush de Noël is also beautiful. And the, Well, the bush is a family recipe. So that, yeah, that's uh, my grandmother. We make bush all the time. It's, it's bush de Noël, and it's also bush d'anniversaire for birthdays, and it's bush for celebrating. And, you know, but. But the croque en bouche, um, uh, well, the you know, I forget the other oh, name. I, I have to tell you. Pièce monté, pièce monté, right. Yeah, okay. That kind of project. Now, when, when people were paying me for every minute of my time, Kitty, I didn't mind. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did desserts like that for TV shows, do you know what I mean? Different yeah. things. Now, yeah. in my own life, one year, my husband, we hadn't been married long, but he said to me, it's flying out of my head, the name of this fancy. It's a fancy layered meringue, and it'll come to me. It's not um, a pavlova. It's not a pavlova, is it? No, not a pavlova. Those okay. we made all the time, but yeah, it was wrong. layers. It's, it's gorgeous, wrapped in chocolate. But here was the bottom line. It's about 13 layers of meringue in the film. Oh, Yeah. Okay, and he says to me, will you be making that for Christmas? <laughs> and you laughed very loudly, I hope. <laughs> said, you know, our pastry chef from Vienna always made that. He grew up in a very privileged mm. home. Very different than mine. My mother was bought a cheesecake at the bakery and said, look at how fancy. <laughs> so I said to him, Marta made this. He said, yes. I said, where is Marta? He says, oh, she passed away. I said, well, why don't you go to the cemetery and find out if Marta wants to <laughs> make one now from heaven? I laughed so hard. And I'd say to him, I said, Kenny, you don't know, like your croquet bush. I said, some of these desserts have got recipes within mm-hmm. recipes with it. They're pizzas. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. But no, these are not something you whip up overnight. This is not instant pudding. You know, yeah. Day. Yeah. I'll tell you what recipe I do love, and I love the picture, is your carrot cake. Oh, it's great. It, and that's Blanche's recipe. That is a Alsatian carrot cake, not an American oh. carrot cake. No, it looks delicious. It is. Yeah, it is. I think, and I think that your point, and this one calls for the almond flour. The fact that they were using almond flour, 
Now, Kitty, was that because they just knew it worked well? Do you think it's because they couldn't get regular flour during the, they could grind their own almonds? I wonder, I'm just curious. I you know, know I, I am too. I can't answer. And yes, they, of course, they could grind their own almonds. I mean, Alsace is not an almond producing area. Morocco is. So yeah. it tells me that they had access to whole almonds and that they could grind it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I can't, I don't know. I don't know. Fascinating. How? Why? I didn't ask you this. How did you ever start writing cookbooks? Like, I can do this. Ha ha. Well, no. The first cookbook, no, the first cookbook, they're all based on family recipes. So my first cookbook is um, Come With Me to, to the Casbah, a cook's tour of Morocco. And that was, that was in the late 80s, early 90s, because I came to the United States to go to university in 63 or so in 1964 and I ended up living with a roommate and she didn't cook and she kept saying what's Moroccan cuisine I didn't know what it was I would call my great aunt in Casablanca how do you make couscous how do you make tajin so that's the beginning and then several years later my husband joined the navy we came to California and I thought somebody said will you give classes cooking I said sure I didn't know what I was doing I said oh, sure I'll give you a class so I made couscous and tajins you know there was a heyday of cooking schools Yes. And my students would say, well, why don't you write a book? And I said to myself, sure, I can do that. Huh? Which I did. So the first book took 12 years, I have to say. But it's a, and I would go back and forth to Morocco, follow my great grandmother and my great aunt. So it's family recipes. And, and then it evolved. After 1984, the LA Olympics, where I worked at the Olympics, I said, I don't want to go back to teaching. I'm going to write. And I started writing. I was very, I mean, blind. And I was lucky that my my article sold. And so then came the California Farm Cookbook because I had a column in the LA Times here in San Diego on farmers. And then I traveled up and down the state and I loved it. I mean, farms and farmers are my second passion, really, um, in California. And, and you know, it's like it's freelancing you hit it or you miss it that's right <laughs> and I happen to hit and for you know 10 books but I have to tell you why I switched <laughs> because you you asked me about self-published verses I mean yeah. I was with mainline uh, publishers but for uh, Minty and Minarets well I had a book called a biblical feast based on biblical ingredients and it was doing very well. And 10 speed, let it go out of print. Oh, yes. And I was upset because I had a huge market. The museum here was, you know, opening the Dead Sea Scrolls and I didn't have any book. And I go, I'm going to do this myself. So for your listeners, um, I did the second printing, the second edition. I redid the whole book, the pictures, everything. Wow. Uh, of a biblical feast. But I discovered at the time on the internet um, that there are people called, they were at the time called printers, publishers. And many of them are in California. And I just emailed a printer publisher and I said, well, what exactly do you do? And they said, well, who do you think prints the books for Chronicle Books? And I said, you are for me. Okay. <laughs> and so what you do when you hire a printer publisher, you produce the book. So I hired an editor. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of the styling. We took the pictures. You have a finished product. Yes. And you send it to this person who's your go-between between 
the book in America and China. Unfortunately, I wanted an American printer, but it's so much less expensive in China. I just put like half the price. I know. So my, my first book with this particular printer publisher worked very well. I got the books in, in my home and I started distributing and marketing. And as you know, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But I don't, I don't mind it. It's crazy making. Either you like it or you don't. It's just, yeah. And so I, I did a second edition of A Biblical Feast. Same thing for Edible Flowers with 10 Speed. It was a beautiful little book. And I knew I had another market for it. So I found another publisher. And that book went to China and back. A real publisher, a second publisher. I did a second edition. And then I went on my own for Minty and Minarets, which is my memoir of our home in Morocco of Darzitoun, because I own a home in Morocco where I learned how to cook Moroccan and all that Moroccan stuff. And, you know, I ordered through a printer publisher. So every time I have used the same person, same company, but you have to produce the book yourself. So what you have to make sure is that it's a professional looking thing. That's right. Not now. I was thrilled. Uh, so people know Kitty was kind enough when I asked her to be a guest. She sent me um, the PDF of her book. And then, Kitty, when I started to download it, all of a sudden I thought, I just want to see the book. Do you know what mm, I mean? So yeah, yeah. I went to Amazon, oh, ordered it. It came the next morning. Wow. I, I, I ordered on Friday on Monday afternoon at five and I had it at 10 o'clock having my tea on Tuesday morning. Oh, wow. That's great. I'd like to know that. And if people don't realize now, I mean, what you're talking about, Kitty, because I, I self-published actually one of the my best selling books I self-published. And then that gave me, you know, five other book deals through mm -hmm. Lisa, but you mm -hmm. know, with different publishers. But producing a book, I mean, nowadays. There, it is easier to self-publish a book. I mean, you can get, and, and the biggest thing that you were talking about in distribution, mm -hmm. the fact that your book was on Amazon, though, you know, and I love to support small bookstores. I don't want everybody, I don't want Thank letters about shopping on Amazon. But when your book, when people can find you on Amazon, that that's half the battle of mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And this from, for me, it's new. I have listed my own books on Amazon and dealt with Amazon. And Good. frankly, at this point, but hang on, this time okay. I'm not. This, okay. fine, this time I wanted, I don't want to deal with Amazon. I've dealt with them too much. Okay. I, don't, I don't want them. But I found a distributor in New York. Oh, who puts my book on Amazon and Ingram. And Ingram is very important because Absolutely. Ingram is a wholesaler to the bookstores. You know, so you go through more expense, uh, but okay, my book is available nationally or internationally, wherever you you, you, you can get on Amazon.com. It's not available on FR, which is France, but on .com. So yeah, yeah and, but, and you can hire professionals to help you but what i want to stress is that if you're self-publishing your book has to compete with a chronicle book a 10-speed book a harper right. book or whatever it cannot be oh i'm just gonna write a book so my so my my steps now are marketing this book i also contact bookstores directly and I have a Substack page, the Casva Chronicles that I, oh, good. I write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have I've had it for about 12 years as a newsletter. But um, 
I ask my readers, if you know of a little bookstore in your neck of the woods, let me know. And sometimes I can contact bookstores in Arkansas or Washington, D.C. or, you know, Florida, and I have a lead. Otherwise, it's all Internet and cold. Yes. It's a job. It's a job. Now, people don't realize that when they talk about writing the book, I always want to stay under my breath and then you have to sell it. Right. then the flip side of that, the writing was <laughs> almost easy compared to when you have to sell yeah. the book. Yeah. Now, answer me this. What, so you, I, I just, I'm amazed by it. Have you given, have you spoken at like the culinary historians with this book yet? I have or, spoken to the culinary historians of Chicago. And, and there's one slated. Yeah, slated for LA in November. It's a Zoom. It's a Zoom meeting. Yes, that's and, okay. Uh, I love culinary historians. So I'm trying to contact them around the country, Go and ahead. I call them up and I say, you know, I've done this, and my book. I'm thrilled, actually, because the market is not only cooking and history, but it's also a, a Jewish and sort of Holocaust, but not really kind of I book. Understand. So it's a, it's a whole different mind. My, and my book is not a kosher cookbook, but it is about Jewish history. Yes. So um, it's now at the Shoah Museum in L.A. and the Shoah in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, and uh, so I'm contacting organizations that would be interested in the story. Excellent. Co- cooking schools are OK as long as I can talk. It's not yeah. about cooking as a no. food. It's about telling the story. For our listeners, if you look, I don't know that everybody, even in, I know there's, we mentioned culinary historians. There's great, many cities have culinary historian groups. Yeah, they do. And the thought is, is if they don't, you should start one in your neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? I, yes. I, I Nancy Savalosky has been just the, and Charles Perry in Los yes. Angeles and the ones that have totally kept the culinary historic historians of Southern California alive and you know Kitty I look forward to that yours is Zoom because that way I can all join when I know you're speaking. Please, please when we broadcast most, unless there's new listeners when we broadcast um, the podcast Cindy puts all the information about the author up on our website and up on our Facebook page. Actually people use of course the Facebook page the most that's what it's Mm -hmm. women beyond a certain age on the Facebook page and we'll give you um, Kitty's information. Yes, I wanted to say, Kitty, so you've had a newsletter about the, for 12 years. It's called the Casbah Chronicles. Fabulous. You you can look at it on my website. I'm really lagging behind because I have so much going on. Of course. The sub stack is the Casbah Chronicles as well as on my website. on my website, kittymorse.com. I love feedback. You can contact me anytime. Um, and I will post soon on the Substack Casbah Chronicles. I promise, I promise. No, it's funny. <laughs> it's and when you're, I always say, if you're, when, when it's, you're a one horse town, I you know. have a lot to do, which is what most cookbook authors, so much. Mm-hmm. Honey, I cannot thank you enough. I'm going, I can't wait for your, um, your talk in November. And then 
Kitty, maybe this would be a wonderful, by the way, this would be a, an incredible Christmas gift for people to give to people in their family. And especially if they had parents or a father or a grandfather that was in World War II. I know yeah. this. <clears throat> so I hope you'll come back and talk some more because we bear, we just touched the surface of your, of this book. Thank it's you really, so much. Yes. It's a triumph, <laughs> Kitty. When I got it yesterday, I was having my tea and I was turning the pages. I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna do this afternoon. I'm get, gonna get to read more of it. But I thought to myself, this is a triumph of, of, of the human spirit. I, uh, your relatives and you and um, I, I wanna thank everyone that listens to us. I always like to thank Miss Cindy who keeps, keeps the train on the tracks without Cindy, there wouldn't be a podcast. If you have questions or want to reach out to us or you have, you know, uh, you reach us at womenbeyond at icloud.com. And this was inspirational to me, Kitty, and I'll tell you why. I have, I've become in my family the custodian of the old pictures and the family yeah. picture. Yes. I've read San Francisco and stuff before. <laughs> Enjoy it. But I had, like you describe about finding this valise in your mother's closet. I was just talking to my sisters. I have the letters that my father and mother wrote to each other during World War II. They'd only been married six months when World War II broke out. And, and it's an amazing story. He was an amazing story. But you know what? I've almost been afraid to open it because I was afraid. It seems so personal. Do you yeah. know what I, mean? I wondered if it was just too personal, but you have given me the, um, I'm going to try, I'm going to look at them and open them. And, and because I see how much you learned. Oh, I learned. And I, and I want the story to continue. Yes. You know, because, uh, you know, we don't have children and, uh, anyway, I have nieces and nephews, but it's more than that. And it's a story for humanity. Yes, it, it is. It's not a it, it's a very personal story, but it belongs to the world, this kind of You're story. You're right. Um, yeah, so I'm glad I inspired. Do it. Do it. Uh, Call me when you falter. I <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are. I want to thank everyone that listens. And it's Kitty Morris, Bitter Sweet, a wartime journal and heirloom recipes from occupied France. It's a triumph, Kitty. Thank you so much. Oh, Denise, merci. Thank you so much. And I hope it won't be 20 years before we speak again. I hope so. Well, listen, next time I'm in LA, I'll give you a buzz or something. Please do. And, and come to Vista. We're only an hour north of San Diego. Farmland. That's a possibility. I'll give you a farm tour. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you, Miss Cindy. And thank you, Kitty. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.